enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. It would be so easy if Barack Obama was like, I don't think Barack would want to do it. But But you don't have to do anything as vice president, technically. If you could talk him into it. Yeah, just be like, just you don't even have to be in Washington, D.C., dude. Yeah. Unless the Senate ties, you don't have a job. And uh, you could do Michelle Obama, but I don't think she's interested either. You could get with Sasha Malia. Like, this is going to look great on your resume. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're solar wave sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could have Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad. AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplished. Mission Accomplishers, hosted by Hunter Haas and Eric Nelson. Hey. Saturday nights at 7 p.m. here in the Minneapolis Twin Cities. And podcast it on the internet, a survivor of Y2K all around the globe. You know what annoys me about Y2K? But people act like it was a made-up thing. Uh-huh. Didn't happen because people freaked out about it for years. Because they spent so much money action? updating software, fixing the flaws. Yes. and It's not like it didn't really pose a threat to us. It was a threat that we fixed. Ah, but one of those flaws that was able to seep through was this program. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were not destroyed by Skynet. <laughs> uh, but this week was an uh, important event in the Democratic primary it was the first debate and i don't know if we can necessarily say it was important well I mean, was there any this was all of the candidates primary focus up until this point was getting to this debate uh having a good sure. impression it's a i guess if you're a french candidate if you're a french candidate this is probably the most important aspect of the entire race yeah so the the debates definitely are a central focus in the race so you can't ignore that aspect but today we're going to take a look at where some candidates stand after the debate because a lot of people were complete unknowns to most of us before and now we have a bit of an exposure to them and some of the bigger candidates how did they fare after the debates? Did it have a positive, negative effect? Some trip-ups we'll, and some uh, impressive performances. Yes, we will take a look at it all. But to start things off with, let's go with the big man himself, Bernard Sanders. El Sanderino. And Bernie, uh, he had been polling pretty consistently in the number two spot leading up to the debates. Uh, uh, kind of starting to get caught up though with yeah, by Warren. It was kind of a two horse race for most of this year between Biden and Bernie, with Biden edging him out by about five to ten points in in polls consistently. And recently, Elizabeth Warren has caught up and is just 
a couple points behind Bernie for the number two spot. It seems like she's really being pushed by a lot of the media. Yeah, like they're just looking for anyone but Bernie, and they're going, "Oh, you like all this stuff? Okay, we have a different person." Mm -hmm. It's like what they did with Keith Ellison and Tom Perez. You know, like, "Oh, we got a guy who has all the same beliefs as you." Uh huh. So don't worry about it. Uh, but it is interesting. Bernie and Warren being so close in that two and three, and you do see that Warren is a preferred option by mainstream media and just the establishment Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. But Warren is still a lot better than most establishment Democrat options. If she ended up being president, Mm -hmm. I would not be disappointed. Yeah, so it is, I mean, that kind of is a sign of where Bernie was successful in influencing the party overall. I mean, the entire debate, every single aspect Mm -hmm. of it is, like, taken from Bernie's platform from the last election. He completely shifted the party. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Everyone's trying to argue, like, how much they're like Bernie Mm -hmm. without actually being him. Yeah, so his influence has definitely been uh, seen and I mean there's that's a huge victory regardless of what ends up happening ultimately I mean because that was his goal uh, four years ago was to influence the party to draw attention to a platform that wasn't being addressed by the mainstream Democrats and that's changed now they're talking about things that they hadn't talked about the past two decades yeah, something like Medicare for All, something like, you know, Yang's basic income, that would never have been discussed before. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, the the issues that are, that are in focus are completely different than where they've ever been in the past, and Dis- that's good. Yeah, discussing America's foreign policy, America's imperialism is mm. something we need to take a step back from. Now, that's not a universal argument, but the fact that it's even being argued is pretty incredible. Now... Bernie, I think uh, this is a lot different circumstance than 2016, where 2016 it was just two candidates. It was Hillary Clinton and him. Well, you had Lincoln Chaffee and... uh, But they um, dropped out uh, very early on. Who's the other guy? Um, O'Malley, Martin O'Malley. Martin O'Malley, yeah. I think there was one more, though. But let's go. They don't matter. I don't... I wonder how many people were the maximum in a debate in 2016. Oh, I think it was probably four. Yeah, there That's weren't... what I remember. Weren't many, but... Uh, That's because Hillary Clinton was the chosen one, right? That's why people got so upset with Bernie for running. And But what's interesting, or what's different, actually, is that there was a lot of people who were voting for Bernie simply because he wasn't Hillary Clinton. And now when yeah. there's... 19 other potential options it's uh it's a whole different race this time around Mm -hmm. people have told that bernie the sexist is running and before maybe they Mm -hmm. made some sort of mental appeal to themselves where they could vote for him because the alternative was this war hawk so i mean i i love bernie i he's my number one option um but i'm wondering how is he going to pick up momentum or pick up voters because everyone's aware of him already uh there's not many people that like uh need to find out more they know where he stands and he repeats the same 
argument. Which is, I think, what he, exactly what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a fact of he's good at it. But how much ground is there for him to gain? That's what I worry that I'm not really sure how it's going to come together where he's going to be able to pick up enough momentum to secure this. Maybe as people start dropping out, Mm-hmm. The path will make sense, but right now I'm not sure. See, I see it only as the election to lose for the other people. Everyone has these big skeletons in their closet. Yeah, it was highlighted during the debate. You've got Biden's pretty racist voting record. Mm-hmm. You've got Kamala Harris previously being a cop. You've got Buttigieg, who's running an extremely racist police department <laughs> over in his town. I think he was pulling it zero for African Americans before this. I don't know if you can pull in negative numbers. uh, I didn't know that. Uh, But, yeah, so uh, I guess it's going to have to come down to when the field starts narrowing for me to understand how Bernie can pull it off. Because, I mean, he's close. Like, uh, just he's remaining strong in that top spot. And fundraising, I mean, he's blowing everyone else out of the water. And that's usually the thing that people say is the most important, like the establishment, uh, people in the party, the, the, the media. Fundraising money usually was the most important thing that a candidate could do. But when it's him, they don't seem to care. Well, because they like those big money donors. Mm-hmm. They don't see $30 donations as valid or something. Yeah, so he's got $20 million right now, and that all comes from donations less than $200. I mean, virtually all. And uh, the the next closest, though, Elizabeth Warren, she's got uh, $16 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. I but think Elizabeth Warren is Bernie's biggest threat in this election. D- uh, sorry, just uh, on the money aspect, her money comes virtually all from transfers of like past campaigns. Yeah, so for her Senate races, she had all this money in the bank and it's just moved over to that. Gotcha. So, uh, Bernie has more money than anyone from these uh, less than $200 donations uh, when you factor in where the other people got their money. Just that chunk of small dollar donations is Damn, more than dude. everyone's. And three houses? He's loaded. <laughs> three houses, one of them is about us. The, the let's see the next closest for small dollar like donations is actually uh, a Beto O'Rourke, and that probably comes. I'm from, sure that's from the Ted Cruz thing, right? No, this is new small dollar really? donations okay. to this, but uh, I'm sure that come has a large part to do with uh, just people who had donated recently reaching back out to them. Weren't and they doing something tricky too with Beto O'Rourke's donations? They, yeah, they were. But now that everything has come to light, he did have a significant amount of uh, small dollar donations. So it was uh, legitimate to to some degree. There, there was a lot of uh, high dollar donations, and uh, uh, it doesn't look like it was actually transferred money. But uh, what the happened was it wasn't unique. People like individual donors. It was a bunch of small dollar donations from like the same person. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. It was tricky. Yeah. So actually, 
I take that back uh, because I can't see how many different people but that donated. Was the, that with was initially this. what was occurring. Yes. Uh, so I don't have any reason to believe that they're not still counting that. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, correct. I uh, I kind of misunderstood as I was speaking, but no, that uh, that accounts. But what did you think about Bernie's performance in the debate? I thought he performed exceptionally. I don't mm. think people were worried about how old he's getting. I think that he's still pretty quick. He's still pretty aggressive with his answers to things that people are saying incorrectly about him. Mm-hmm. Um, still shushing women. <laughs> Spoke over Kirsten Gillibrand. But yeah, and he's staying on message. I saw some criticisms like, Bernie's not even answering the questions. Yeah, he is because those are all tangentially related to it. And he gave a reason why it relates back to it. I think Bernie does his best when the questions are kind of ridiculous or other candidates are coming from a place that he sees as kind of... Uh, absurd, and you can see a sincerity then. Mm-hmm. So, like, the way they phrase questions towards him... I is, mean, they're absolutely going after him. Uh-huh, and that's when he actually he does his best, is responding to those. So, keep it coming that way. And you'll notice the crowd response to Bernie, a lot of the times, seems pretty tepid and lukewarm. Mm-hmm. It's because the tickets to that debate cost him $4,500. Yes. He's not exactly a cross-section of America watching these debates. Yep, that is a good thing to point out. Think about the kind of insects that would pay $4,500 to watch a political debate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was either people that paid hundreds to thousands of dollars for a ticket or guests of a candidate. Why are they running debates like a profit-driven well, enterprise? That's how, that's how they're going to do it. I know, but they should have some sort of... This is the DNC. Why can't the it, DNC put forward some sort of event that isn't sponsored by a major media company? Yeah, well, because, I mean, the political party's in the business of making money. Girlfriend, you were so long. I guess. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to escape that because yes that's what happens is the i mean we the as media company uh, determines how they're going to go yeah. about it and they want to make money but there's no reason why the dnc can't host their own and say you know what nbc we're not going to do it mm-hmm. and if i think that if the voters put pressure on the party we would see a change yeah I, I don't know if that i don't know if there's a demand for that i didn't like the the format i didn't like the five moderators uh, that yeah, was, was frustrating weird how they switched halfway through Yes, uh, so, meh, I, I'm i with you that I think the quality would go up if you had it as an independent debate. And then it could be carried on multiple media sources. You wouldn't be restricted to one that controlled and made profit off it. And why are we still pretending that Rachel Maddow is any way a respected voice in media? She's like the left wing's Alex Jones. There's no credibility to half the stuff she was saying. She kept leading on and hinting, suggesting that they had evidence of collusion that was going to get released earlier than it was. She, um, that was We have this obviously leaked tax form from Trump. Um, yeah, uh, so I didn't like the choices. I don't like the uh, meet the press. What's his name again? Uh, Chuck Todd, Sleepy. Yeah, Sleepy Chuck Todd. Uh, he was frustrating to listen to because he's he, a very unpleasant person to see. He would ask questions and then dismiss the answer from the candidates. Like, uh, 
I don't agree with that. Yeah. And it was like, or he'd know what they were going to say. So then he felt it didn't matter. It's like, well, your job is to get this information out to the public. It doesn't matter if you yeah. know. So I didn't you like hold his your approach own debate, at Chuck all. Todd. Debate Chuck Todd. That'd be a good, I would watch that actually. <laughs> yeah, they should I would, have that one guy who good. debates each candidate. <laughs> uh, so not a big fan of the the way they went about the debate. Um, I was complaining about having all the candidates there, but I guess I kind of have changed my mind that it was good to have the uh, lower-tier candidates on stage with the higher-tier. Just to to hear them out. Um, it, it was annoying when they would give a lot of questions to certain people. You know what? It seemed like Andrew Yang got barely any questions. Yeah, I don't did. know if it was also because he wasn't cutting in to mm-hmm. answer as a rebuttal to other questions. Yeah. But the one question the guy was like, how are you going to do this $1,000 for everybody? Or well, what? Pretends to, to hear the question. Shouldn't you have that loaded up and ready to go? Because you know they're going to ask that. That, but I actually feel that that was a sincere Miss, like he couldn't understand based on the production of the the debate and the audio because we saw that there was production problems mm-hmm. and uh, just observing, I felt that that happened to a couple people where they weren't clear what was being asked of them because of a a technical problem, and I, I've speaking- been, I've been seeing a lot of people criticizing uh, certain people for kind of having that response of like. Being unprepared, Yang especially, but then there was others. I mean, uh, when he gave his answer, it wasn't didn't seem super prepared. It seemed kind of flustered and like he had to recollect what he was going to say. Yeah, that was weak. But I do feel that they were dropping the ball on just how they delivered this and the production of the debate. Uh, but Andrew Yang, um, he this was his kind of chance. This is what he had been striving for for the past year basically is to get to the debate stage to bring his ideas to the table and he made it and he's built a lot of support along the way and yes he was one of the candidates who was spoken to the least um he has been complaining that they turned his I Mike heard off. that. Yeah. Uh, and th- there are evidence that, like, uh, you see him with his hand up and talking, and they mm-hmm. don't turn him up. Where you saw the first night, like, Bill de Blasio was able to get in all the time. So that, I mean, there could be some truth to that, that he was turned off yeah. more than I mean, other candidates. The DNC has a history of playing those little games. Yeah, and he is certainly one of the candidates that they would not want to win the nomination for multiple reasons. Uh, but I... He, He's I, kind of a meme candidate, but I don't think that he lived up to expectations even when he did get a chance to answer the questions. I don't think people are clear... That, that of his plan of wanting to give everyone $1,000 a month. And that's a a shame. I feel, though, that he'll be able to get that across because as these debates continue and they start raising the bar, it seems like he is going to be able to 
make it to you the think? next couple. Yes, I do. I think a lot of the wind has been taken out of his sails. I uh, I think that he actually is set up pretty strongly to be able to qualify in terms okay. of... I don't uh, know necessarily what the qualifications are for the next debate. It's going to be, again... Um, is it donations and uh, no, no, they start getting more. Okay. Uh, so they will start dwindling the amount of people that they allow into these, and I do feel that he'll he'll make it for um, a while at least. And I don't see that happening, but I uh, if you look at the numbers, he is okay. Maybe he'll, I don't know what the qualifications are to get to the next debate. I don't see him making a major improvement in his standings with the average person. With uh, individual donations? Like uh, from... No, just his public support. No, no, I'm just saying individual donations. He is in second behind Bernie for having the most people donate to his campaign. And... I believe that. That is... Um, that's going to keep him in this for a long time because that's always going to be one of the qualifications. Uh, a reason, a thing to point out is that a lot of these candidates the, that are kind of at that lower tier, the most important thing for them is not necessarily to get like uh, a big boost in poll numbers, but is to just hang in there to be able to make it to the the next debate, and then the yeah, one after that. Yeah, you don't that. want to be the ones dropping off. Uh-huh, so it's... But at the same time, I feel like your ultimate... Andrew Yang, I don't think has... He says he has expectations of winning the presidency, because everyone has to say that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to say, oh, I, have no, I don't really want to win, because no one's going to support you. But at the same time, you obviously know that his main focus is just to present the idea of basic income to America. Yeah. And I don't think that he succeeded in this debate. He didn't. He didn't. I had to... Uh, at this first debate, and that is a shame. Um, his performance overall kind of, kind of weak. I would say it's very weak. Yeah, I think that like everything I read was people embarrassed by his performance that they were supporters of him. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the, because I I didn't feel like it was just a complete disaster. There were some moments. Um, I mean, he didn't slip on a banana peel, mm -hmm. fall over, but in the, uh, terms of like succeed, he didn't succeed at all. Yeah, and that's a bad sign if I can't uh, have it at the tip of my tongue That because uh, I do remember there were some moments, but I can't recall them. So that shows how his For, performance was. Especially at this stage, you need to stand out in some way. Mm -hmm. Where I think the other meme candidate did a hell of a job. Marianne Williamson? Yes. No one was talking about her before. Now everyone is. But there is a lot of negative talk about her. But sure, I guess, but so did Trump. Yeah, Trump had that too. Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But Marianne Williamson is who I had been saying will be the next dark horse to rise to prominence in this race. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you... I think that she killed it. <laughs> I think that she stuck to her message. She stayed true to herself. And I am more of a policy-driven person, but her argument for just being a big idea person, it was sincere, and I can't really disagree with it. And I, I completely agree with what she was getting at with uh, we don't need a plan. Where, and that's the main criticism everyone has for her is that how she phrased it, that uh, 
sure, you can have all these plans. Yeah, she's in not place. saying we're not going to plan stuff. It's just saying the a plan during your election run is not ever going to be implemented in the way that you plan it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's been uh, where I've been hearing the up a ton of cheap shots. Uh, but I think that the, there's some solid truth to what she was getting at there th- that uh, it's an easy thing to pick at and uh, uh, make fun of and dismiss like uh, the late night talk shows are. But I think that she has got her finger on the pulse of the problems of the country mm-hmm. and how we need to change the way that we approach and the uh, seriousness of the changes occurring right now. Like uh, there are... We're we're in a whole different ball game than we've ever been in the past. So yeah, obviously conventional every, wisdom, you can throw that out the window. Every next election cycle is a different beast altogether. But this one, the disparity between this election and the elections before it mm-hmm. seem far greater than the disparity between previous election cycles. Yeah, I I am a Marianne Williamson fan. And one more thing to say about Marianne that I really liked. She didn't just throw out these big ideas without any context behind them. She always gave some sort of reference to the structure that causes the problems and the ideas she has to fix them. Mm -hmm. Like she got some heat for saying, oh, we don't have a a healthcare system's great, but we have to look at the root of the causes. Mm -hmm. And it is a great question. Why do Americans get sick so much more than other countries? Absolutely. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And that's uh, what she was getting at with that, with the plans and how she phrased that. And um, it's frustrating seeing like the um, Colbert and I I think that can only help her, honestly. But uh, they are uh, immediately... Dismissing, they're doing the same thing that happened to Kucinich in like the 2004 sure, race. Sure. But we live in the age of the internet now, and I think the the more name yeah, recognition she good, has, that's a good point. The more people are talking about her, the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be a different case if it was down to her and one other person. But mm-hmm. right now, there's like 24 people, 20 people at the debates. Anyone talking about her is a win. So then I want to uh, talk about a, an issue that her. Um, well, an issue that candidates are using to gain traction and support that I feel is mostly insincere by all of the candidates besides her, and that would be reparations. And this is just an easy way to appeal to... The black voting block. Because but, they still have this idea that they're a monolith and they mm-hmm. vote as a single unit. And the thing is, is you can say you're for that, but it doesn't really mean anything because there's you have no way of accomplishing that. We're so far away. There, there has been a congressperson who for the past 20 years has been introducing a bill to just study what it would take to give reparations and uh, how much it would cost and how you would go about it. And that he has never even received a, uh, a vote on the house floor for this. So we're so far from that 
being uh, an actual legitimate policy to put into place that if you are selling it like you're going to put something forward on it, you're being completely insincere. Yeah, it seems very dishonest. Mm-hmm. So, There's no route that we can currently take to get to it. It pulls extremely low. It has very low support even among black people. I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, would I like it to happen? Would is it a just move? But more. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. What's more important, I think, is that you have to be honest about how you would go about this. And I mean, yeah. you you can't sell to people. Like, promise them the world, and then once you get into power, deliver nothing. And that's what would happen with anyone uh, uh, parroting that this is going to happen. The the way to go about it is to support the congressman's plan of studying it first and to make clear that that's the first step. But they're not doing that. They're saying that uh, they're for it. Say, yeah, I support it, sure. But I don't know how it's going to come into fruition <laughs> at this current state. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's just being dishonest when they try to use that as a leverage to get into office. And the only one I think that has the right to talk about it is Marianne Williamson, only because she's been writing about it for a uh, 20 years now. And she's the ideal lady. She didn't say that it's definitely going to occur. She's just putting out good vibes. Good crystal healing. So, the person that people have said won the debates has been typically Kamala Harris, or Pete Buttigieg, but Kamala Harris. Really? Yeah, that she has been... I can understand Kamala Harris, but I don't get Pete Buttigieg. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Kamala Harris first. Uh, she... I think the the most memorable for me moment she had was the calling out Joe Biden. Oh, absolutely. And that was... That That's was, actually why I think she did well. Mm-hmm. A, a just net good. That was a positive thing to do, and she delivered it well. And it's good that Bernie didn't have to do it. <laughs> Because uh, honestly, I thought that she was running for the vice president position uh, under Biden. Oh, that was kind of like my oh, conception of where it was going. And that throws off that possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I, she, she can bother me with uh, her sincerity uh, because she, she's one that puts forward reparations. She's one who on that morning show what is it um the the, the hip-hop morning show oh uh sway 45 no uh, not sway 45 the uh, uh breakfast club breakfast club you should know that as a broadcaster i know charlamagne I know. is the last great voice on radio well I, I i did watch like five of their candidates um shows and hers when she brought up that she smoked weed to Tupac and uh, Biggie in college. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. uh, They they weren't making music when you were in college. So her pandering really bothers me. And uh, I see her as someone who picks up trendy positions rather than having any sort of 
uh, it, like inner drive and passion for them. Unless your name is Inslee or Sanders, you've completely adopted this posi- all the positions you have on this election in the last eight years. Well, I I wouldn't say that it's limited to just them, but of like the senators in the race, I'd say that's true. Like of Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Gillibrand. Um, well, Buttigieg hasn't said what he's for in general. I know, but he gestures towards the things that are popular. And he's only been a, a, a mayor, so his record is trickier to uh, like analyze. But of the big-name politicians, most have uh, changed what they like have been fighting for their entire career for this election mm-hmm. and, and leading I, up to it. Yeah, I think Warren... Elizabeth Warren is sincere, mm-hmm. but she was a Republican up until, when was it, like 1992? Yeah, it was in She a, was a Reagan Republican. Um, yeah, that, though, does make sense to me because there was a time where there were factions in the Republican Party that uh, were more moderate and that Even 80s— it was 90. still proposing things like they were still trying to end abortion. They were still opposing civil rights. They were still yeah. opposing integration. Mm-hmm. Yes, but uh, I mean, like if you look at the two parties at the beginning of the twentieth yeah, century, it was kind of like evil party to as it was. the civil rights era. There was it, it was not as partisan as it is now. Like. Today's political parties are split by ideology, and there is no inner, like... um, Mingling? Yeah, but in the past, there was factions, and, like, there was basically four parties. There was two parties, and there was two factions within it. So there is still remains of that uh, that uh, now no longer exist, but there there were people uh, that would qualify and then had that have switched parties and her timing on that does kind of add up in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could make an argument that, Oh, she left because of the Reagan shift. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Kamala Harris, um, she's the media's darling after this. Um, but yeah, that would be my main problem with her. Is a lack of sincerity behind the policies she puts forward. Mm-hmm. And she was a cop. Mm-hmm. The, which Biden tried to go after her on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel uh, people will start bringing that up and I bringing that to light. Biden did not see that happening either. He seemed very surprised. <laughs> yeah. He, he maybe expected that line of attacks uh-huh. on him, but not by her. Yeah. That was a, I mean, she was like, she's his go-to VP pick. A black woman. Mm-hmm. Black woman is young. Yeah, uh, that was a very good point that you made. And um, I wonder who Biden would choose as a VP. I don't know. I, let's Me trying to run through it. I, I, I don't mean, think it'd be Gabbard. Uh, Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> He that would, would be ideal for him. Those, yeah, it would be so easy if Barack Obama was like. I don't sure, think I'll be Barack vice would want to do it, but, but you don't have to do anything as vice president technically. If you could talk him into it, yeah, just be like, just you don't even have to be in Washington D.C., dude. Yeah, 
unless the Senate ties, you don't have a job. And uh, you could do Michelle Obama, but I don't think she's interested either. <laughs> you get with Sasha Malia. Like, this is going to look great on your resume. Uh, is there an age restrictions for vice president? Um, I don't. Yeah, I think there is, actually. You have to be above 35 I know that's for president. Yeah, but vice president, I'm pretty sure. Well, you don't have to, but the problem is if the president died, they couldn't become president. You could have anyone be it. I don't know if that's true because you can get into positions. uh, Like Speaker of the House, you don't need to be. This one, I know it is true. Okay. uh, Because I was looking into it back with the... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, just some How many people would have to die before she would be president? Yeah, it was, uh, I was just putting up together some, uh, how would this work out? And I found out that, no, you could have the vice president be under 35. The problem is, if the person died, you couldn't get them into office. It would just jump seniority or the hierarchy of yeah, whatever it is? Yeah, uh, it would go to the... Uh, Speaker of the House. Although the thing is, like, these rules that we claim to have, mm-hmm. until they're tested... Yeah, true. They can, it seems like they can just throw everything out if it's never been done before and you have the right Supreme Court. Yeah, that, that is how it goes. I mean, you, you would fight for it and then you could set a new precedent, but uh, the way it's, like, written now, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But you could always try. Yeah, go Supreme Court. Uh, but let's go to Buttigieg. Uh, he... Okay, I'll give the strongest moment I thought he had would be the uh, when talking about the problems with uh, South Bend, Indiana, and the the racial issues that he took ownership of fault, like that he didn't deliver, that he didn't do a good enough job. Uh, just the fact that he did that uh, was, in my mind, good. Like. It showed, it was just refreshing to see a politician do that specifically, mm-hmm. to take ownership on something rather than to talk around it. Or try to pass it off on someone else. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you guys are just misunderstanding the problem. And in general, I will say that he's very good at speaking. Like, he was... Yeah, he's very good off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Where Beto O'Rourke was that... Everyone was saying that about him. Yeah. It does seem like he's doing an imitation of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. It's possible he talks like that, but it'd be unlikely. Uh, so the, those were the two things that stood out to me. Buttigieg was he, he's a smooth talker, for sure. But every time I see him, I just start cracking up because Trump's dig on him is so accurate. It really surprised me. Oh, God, you mad? Alfred E. Newman. Yeah, I didn't know. It's true. He looks so much like him. <laughs> I know. And I was not expecting Trump to have, like, the clarity of mind at this <laughs> level of, like... No, I know. That is brilliant. Uh, but what did you... What do you think of judge after this? Uh, I didn't... Nothing really stood out to me. Although what you mentioned is refreshing to see in a politician. Mm-hmm. But there's... I don't know. There's plenty to there's, he, be critical of. Yeah. He did a good job. But I don't think he stood out to me in any way. He didn't offer me anything that I wasn't expecting to see. Because uh, even that ownership of fault, it in some ways it appears calculated. Go, this will read well with the voters who are sick of mm. the lies. Um, I, he talked to his team before that debate. If this comes up, I'm going to take ownership of it. Sure. Um, Which is nothing I mean, wrong with that. Yeah. Um, 
but it all he just seems so calculated. I I I see that. Um he, my main criticism is I just don't like anyone who doesn't put forward policies who hides with what they would do in situations. Yeah. And who just speak on rhetoric. And don't really, t- don't even take positions. It's fine to not offer specific policies, mm-hmm. but if you're not willing to say if you're for or against Medicare for all, things like that, without giving a concrete position, mm-hmm. then I don't know what I'm voting for. And this, I, I want to bring this up, even though to me it's irrelevant uh, for why you would choose someone. But if he is the nominee, what Republicans are going to do is just flood the TV with him kissing. At gay uh, pride rallies? Yeah, his husband. And just use that to try and disgust people from voting. I Yeah, it'd be interesting because I think that's kind of, at least in Minnesota and like more of the northern states, it seems like a losing strategy at this point. Because doing, even the conservative people I know are like, oh, yeah, well, gay people, they're, they're fine. There is the, the fact, though, that um, men, straight men seeing two men kissing, there is a reaction inside that is it's unavoidable and it isn't even prejudice. It's just a naturally occurring thing. I don't know. I mean, I think that once you get accustomed to it to a certain degree, I don't really want to see anyone kissing, to be honest. It's kind of gross. Yeah. If you're not, like, in some way, like, you know, people you love seeing them kiss, like, ugh, do that away from me. Yeah, I, I know. And then it's it's a thing that I, it's like, I don't want to address, uh, but it's worth not ignoring that there is but, something that even people who don't have I, any I, prejudice this seems in like a them crazy crazy like position are you worried they're going to run with that attack no i'm not because i think it'll backfire uh i i'm pointing out that, that it's going to happen if sure. he's the nominee and republicans are going to throw out every sort of dirty little trick mm-hmm. i don't think it'll be effective in any way no and that was why i started with it's irrelevant but just think about this. However, I'm always for breaking down those barriers. Like when Keith Ellison was running for attorney general, when they were saying, well, no Muslims ever won a statewide election. I go, well, good. There's no better one to yeah, sure. break down that uh, barrier. And Barack Obama was, they're going to go after him for racist stuff. Uh-huh. You know, Hillary Clinton's going to leak him in a dashiki. Yeah, I. it's... Uh, the only fear is that uh, that gets used and then it inspires more hate like um, Charlottesville or like targeting of gay people that they're able to rile up so much. Just okay. I think I understand what you're saying. Like it'll bring up a new vein of yeah. homophobia. And it's that's not a reason to not do it. It's just something to prepare for to counter act. It's just keep people safe. But the perfect uh, co- argument against that is oh yeah, we were trying to find disgusting pictures of Trump kissing his wife. Yeah. yeah. Can't just, find just him. Trump 
disgusting. Because it's going to be, it's way grosser to watch Trump kiss someone yeah. than watch Pete Buttigieg kiss his husband. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> this is like a slimy job of the hut kiss. So if, yeah, if we're watching anyone be kissing, it's going to be so much grosser to watch Trump do anything vaguely sexual. <laughs> um, uh, Who else stood out to you in this debate? Inslee stood out to me. Yeah, Inslee. I thought he did pretty well. He offered a sort of ideology that I didn't see anywhere else on either debate stage. Uh, go explain that a bit. Just he is a he has a focus on environmentalism, ending global warming. You're not ending it, but taking concrete action to slow its progression. And it's such a huge issue, and our time to really deal with it is quickly approaching the point when we can't even counteract it anymore. Uh-huh. And no one's talking about it. Well, what's great with Ensley too, is that his climate plan is something that even if he doesn't win, it's his policy is ready for mm-hmm. anyone to pick up and put into place. So yeah, I mean, he is a good addition to this whole process. If someone doesn't pick him as their secretary of energy, mm, yeah, it's like what or EPA or whatever, it, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Um, it's going to happen a lot with all these candidates is jockeying for a cabinet position. Yeah, I mean, what do you think the first debate was? Mm-hmm. It was just who gets to be on the cabinet. And uh, one that I don't know if she will end up getting a position like that, but would be a great uh, to be Tulsi Gabbard. One of the more polarizing candidates in this field. I thought she did a good job. I Um, I did, too. I thought she was... uh, My favorite moment of all was addressing her past bad, like, uh, conservative views, the the questionable things about her, some of the homophobic uh, policies she supported and things she said was how she was raised and just the way that she was able to deliver it in a relatable way that she was, uh, she grew up in a conservative family that had some like um, bad views, and it rubbed off on her. And that I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that. She said it something along those lines. And I thought well, yeah. it was. Uh, I like how it was relatable. It was only halfway through Obama's presidency. That he came out in favor of gay marriage. Mm. You know, Democrats were still, by and large, playing that game. Mm-hmm. Where they were like, oh, we don't want to send them to prison, but <laughs> we can't let them marry yeah. each other. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Where if a, one if the- a Republican today was giving, like, the Democrats' position 20 years ago on gay marriage, they'd widely be considered, like, extremely homophobic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they're not. Yeah, but it's just kind of surprising how quickly things have progressed, and especially if you're looking at that. Yeah, like maybe show a little compassion to a change of view because I bet yours did too. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. Uh, the way the her discussions on foreign policy, though, she's the only one talking about certain things, and uh, another person that is a great addition to this. However, one that for some reason, inspires so much polarization and opposition to her. I don't know 
why people are so critical. I don't really understand it, but I see that it's there. Kirsten Gilbrand. What about her? <laughs> no one has any positions on her. They don't care about her. She is the... Uh, in football, they always have the the Andy Dalton line of uh, if you're that he's the true medium, and if you're below him, then you're in the bottom tier of I don't quarter, even football know quarterbacks. Who Andy Dalton is, but it, he's the most medium quarterback. Yeah, Gillibrand is the candidate that if you're polling below her, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> yeah. She has just absolute no I don't know how she traction. got on the debate stage. I feel like that is <laughs> some there's fishiness. Other, there's other like guys like Tim Ryan. There's a handful of uh, yeah. like guys who I already forgot their names. The guy who looked like he was wearing a wig. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I uh, think that was Tim Ryan. I don't know. There are a bunch of these guys who look like they were there's like, Delaney, there's, taken out of a Sears catalog. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know how they're on there. Oh, yeah, and then there's, um, uh, what the hell is his name? Yeah, see, it's so bad we can't even recall him. Hickenlooper, that's what oh, I was yeah, thinking Oh, yeah, Hickenlooper. He was trying to position himself as, like, the anti-socialist guy. Yeah, yeah, that's his thing is uh, they're all nuts, all these Democrats. Uh-huh. Anti-socialism is... He's going to be doing uh, Fox News town halls if he hasn't already. Oh, yeah. And it's like, who are you going to get your votes for? People who mm-hmm. accidentally walked into the Democratic primary? Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's, uh, he's like, going all in on the... Let's try and pick off those suburban Republicans. Yeah, maybe people are like against some of the welfare programs, but he doesn't give anyone else another reason to vote for him. Yeah, so I would say... Uh, the below Christian or Kirsten Gillibrand would be you got John Delaney, you got oh, yeah, John, Delaney. Uh, John Hickenlooper, you got Tim Ryan, you got Eric Swalwell, oh, yeah. Eric Sawwell, Swalwell, Swalwell, Eric Swalwell, <laughs> Swalwell, but those are the irrelevant candidates. Yeah, and to be honest, like I kind of thought Inslee was going to be yeah, there too, which I know. is why when I he saw his performance... escalated, as well as Bill de Blasio. He is out of that just complete irrelevant candidate. Yeah, it would just impress me his ability to like be a bully. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. if you're going against Trump, you need to either like overcome him with like pure positivity, like Marianne, and use your healing crystals against him, uh-huh. or you need to just be mean to him. Yeah, so those, uh, I s- can't wait for when they are no longer in the field and we no longer have to listen to them. Now, another question is, not necessarily who you think did the best, but who do you think showed the most promise or least promise in beating Trump? Mm, um, let's see. It would be someone who had a strong debate because that is going to be a pivotal moment is when they're on stage together and someone who can handle Trump's just insults and the, the going to try he, to intimidate them and no my answer is I don't I don't know no one really stood out to me as strong in that way to take on Trump I mm-hmm. I worry that there wasn't a performance that was so good that I mean it doesn't have to just like overcome him with like 
out alpha him either. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, use a different... I know, but I, I'm i not sure. I, mm-hmm. I really... Anyone who did poorly or, like, gave evidence that you just don't think they have it in them? Well, I worry... Uh, Beto O'Rourke with his Spanish and his kind of just pouting, he... He definitely lost traction in his... Like playing the pity card? Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Um, like, because he was seen as, like, a Superman before this, like, at the during the midterms. Yeah. Uh, he was when definitely he a rising star, and now there's a lot of Lost to the faults. guy that Trump completely humiliated. Yeah, so he, in my mind, is right now looking the weakest. Uh, but just uh, the debate, I don't know. I'm struggling to come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously Kamala Harris came out very well, I think, in just being willing yeah, that, and able to directly confront people on things they've done wrong. That was what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to go with that answer. But uh, she seemed just the best able to utilize this format. Like the confrontational aspect yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. And Trump's obviously going to go, you know, racist and sexist. Mm -hmm. And I think that she is capable of, like, stepping beyond that. And people will not. I don't think if he, like, Trump's, like, racist and sexist actions, when they're done, like, directly to a person, I think feel a lot more real. Yeah. As opposed to the the conceptual entity. Uh Um, So I think she kind of boosted her rankings in my mind Mm -hmm. uh and bernie just because he like can't be shook Mm. uh he always stayed on message even when it was like obviously like even the moderators were trying to trip him up i just didn't feel like it was the best bernie performance it wasn't the best bernie performance based off that i didn't i i can't give it to him right there like the energizer bunny he just keeps going and going and going (laughs) like he won't be like tripped up by things you know who I thought actually would do well against Trump is Bill de Blasio. Well, yeah, that's kind of why I got on this topic is just because, like, he can out-bully him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he can out-bully him, but he can definitely, like, match him. It was it, – it just the name didn't come up quick. But if he became the nominee, he would be great against Trump in this. And uh, it, it would just be surprising to see uh, – a Democrat against Trump that way. Like, um, it'd be a whole new ballgame in mm-hmm. just debate regards. One thing, though, like in a weak performance was Biden, though. I think that everyone's mm-hmm. acting like, he, oh, he has the best chances against Trump. It's because of, like, name recognition or something. Yeah. But I think that if Biden went up against Trump, if he so easily was tripped up by Kamala Harris questioning yeah. his record and he did not give, like, a good or convincing argument against it. He, that would definitely be a weakness on his part. I, I do think, though, Joe Biden's got drunk and uncle energy. And he does. He's, um, he'd be good in the campaign. Joe Biden, in past vice president debates, was really spot on and good and, like, but confrontational. Was, yeah, but then he was, like, you know, against Paul Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in uh, uh, elections where he's ran, he hasn't performed well at all when he was by himself. Yeah, sure. Uh, he did. Uh, Kamala did expose a, uh, an opening for like a weakness. Mm-hmm. Then the other person, and I don't know. 
I don't know if it's really about from these debates, but Elizabeth Warren is just like, I think she's probably the least likely to beat Trump of any of the candidates. Yeah. Or major I, candidates. I, I kind it of. It sucks because I like her a lot. I agree that uh, she has the potential to botch the I election. I think she would fall into like every one of his traps. But she also is uh has potential to be strong, but I do agree that she has... Position-wise, I agree that she's strong. Yeah. I just don't see her... A lot of concern with her. A lot of concern. Going into the next debates, I'd like to see more questions relating to our like foreign policy, military actions against South America, Yemen, but I don't know. I thought the debates were fine. No one completely embarrassed themselves. No one was a shining beacon of greatness for the next debate i really hope we see mike gravel get on the stage and ask why haven't we prosecuted the bush administration for war crimes gravel's coming for you bastards